0: It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. Yes, that's me, Jonathan Sanborn. Here in sunny Phoenix, um, get to be a part of something exciting. It's counterculture. We are. A, we want to highlight. I get to interview and talk to some of the coolest people in our country, and I get to highlight the people who are helping us grow in peace, compassion, and building our culture. And uh, today we have a treat. Uh, we're actually. I felt it was such a big enough treat. So good. We had to do two shows on it. I have online Bruce jason and amy hello bruce jason amy Hi, Jonathan Jonathan. Jonathan. all right we have calling in from ohio correct yes,
1: yes. yep okay
0: springfield, ohio springfield ohio wow uh we have calling in a, a, a bruce uh Will, willman is the founding pastor and senior leader at champion city church in springfield ohio he has 30 years in ministry roles ranging from youth ministry to men's ministry, church planning, senior leadership. Bruce, and then we have his lovely wife, Amy, also the executive director of the ne- the Nehemiah Foundation in Springfield, and a member, also a member and pastor at Champion City Church. She's also spent 30 years in various ministry roles, education, and trauma informed faith based nonprofit work. And th- thirdly, earth thoidly, <laughs> we have Jason channels and uh he works currently with the Ohio Department of Agriculture and also is a pastor at champion city church uh Jason's been an active in church ministry for the past twenty five years and served uh, uh of as as former as pastor at uniting Faith Church so three amazing people and the topic is When a black church and a white church decided to merge, because Amy and Bruce and Jason did something that is amazing, two churches, a black church and a white church separately decided, what if we did church together? That is an amazing story, a story that we need to hear. And when I heard about this, I go, I got to get them on my show. (laughs) <laughs> so uh I thankfully uh these amazing and people who are very busy were able to make time and so again thank you for being on here we can't wait to hear about it
2: Thank yeah, you. Really
0: and thank really you for exciting. the invitation. This is great. So what we have to do is work in how we all <laughs> talk at the same time. I don't know how we're going to work that out, but that's okay. <laughs> we're figuring this out. Um, so what we, as we make it as common in our show, we like to just get to know someone a little, little on another level. And we're just Jason. We're today on the on episode one. We're just going to talk about you. You. We talked about fake news, where you say something true and not true, and I try to guess which one's which. Now, when you, I so. Go ahead and share and see if I can guess.
1: Okay, so um, God told me to shave my head bald (laughs) um, when I was 25 years old, my 25th 25th birthday, and God told me to shave my head bald knowing that my then uh, wife-to-be, Teresa, has an infatuation for bald-headed man.
0: Okay, so you think God told you in order to appeal to a lady, it's yes. like the opposite of Samson. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's one.
1: What's and the other then, one? And uh, then the other, one of my childhood, nickname, uh, childhood nicknames was Gigi, uh because my younger sister Alicia could not pronounce Jason <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> so i'm going to say there are there are ladies that like bald heads and they're out there thankfully and but there i'm i'm at if the god told me to be shave my head to appeal i'm thinking that might be fake because I think a kid could call you Gigi for some reason. I'm just thinking that. Even though it's like a grandma name or my daughter's name is actually Gigi. So I'm going to guess the shaving your head from God is fake. Am I right?
1: <laughs> that is correct. Oh. That's just fake news. Now, my wife does, my, I did find out that my wife did have an infatuation for okay. bald-headed men. <laughs> and, it, and it was shortly after I shaved my head on my 25th birthday. Because my hairline had begun to recede was uh, so throwing signs. I said, I'm just gonna yeah. go and shave it off. And then shortly after that I met my wife who I found out did have a situation for bald headed men. Oh, right. <laughs> so that's cool.
0: Two two of my uh heroes uh, are have bald heads. Um one is uh Captain Picard from Star Trek. And and the other is Curly O'Neill from the Harlem Globetrotters. Trotters. So nice. so you, you you you're in a good hand. You're in a good company right there. <laughs> so I just dated myself because there's probably people anyone on under the age of thirty five or forty doesn't know who Curly O'Neill is, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, um Well that's awesome, Jason, and I'm sure your wife is very happy with your current hair status. <laughs> No <laughs> okay. yet yeah. so um so let's just do some background you are a pa- you are a pastor at um at your church and uh, uniting faith church is it's an african American church about how many people Tell me a little bit of the background of your of your church and where you were when this all started.
1: Yes. So, um, I was pastoring, uh, a, uh, predominantly Af- African, African-American church, uh, United faith church. Um, we had, uh, one member that was, uh, uh, Caucasian or, 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 white. And, uh, at the time, uh, uh, Melanie, and, uh, she was the only, uh, uh, member of, of non-color, you know, or, or uh, mm-hmm. considered white, you know, out of, out of church at the time. And I would say our, our membership, um, uh, range between uh, thirty and, and fifty people at the time, okay. and, uh, and so you know, just you know, kind of getting off the ground and, and trying to build the ministry, and uh, yeah, we were predominantly African American church, uh, but that was never the uh, 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 the vision that I had for the church upon upon launching the ministry. Um, I'd always had in mind that we would be uh, multicultural, that we would. Uh, break those racial barriers.
0: Now, why why did you have that? I mean, where did that vision come from, from being multicultural, even early on?
1: Um, so, you know, I grew up in a uh, predominantly African-American church um, here in Springfield. I, you know, I'm considered a, a, a what they call a pew baby, you know, born right. raised my, my mother and father, you know, uh, met in the church and uh, conceived me, and you know, my mother uh, served in um within the choir, my, my father was one of the deacons, and so uh just you know was part of this church my entire life and it was uh predominantly african american church as well um and uh just um i don't know uh just you know somewhere along the line uh within uh, uh ministry and becoming active in ministry and being exposed to um other churches and and preaching, I just you know began to wonder you know why. There was so much uh, segregation within mm-hmm. the body of christ you know even uh the organization that my uh, church was a part of uh which was you know uh you know Pentecostal apostolic i even you know had uh you know seen splits along that line even even within you know the do- the, nomina- uh, the the denomination to where yeah. uh, it's it's split and you know uh, one group was predominantly black or african american the other group was uh but I'm be really white and just, you know, I was just wondering, you know, I was just puzzled about this. Why why is this when we're all a part of the body of Christ and uh we're all, you know, serving this this God which which is love. Um he can't be for this uh this segregation and just, you know, the the, the splitting of the body across racial lines. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. should not be what divides us. And so uh, my heart was just for uh bridging that gap and uh somehow trying to bring the body together and unify and so when god had called me to step out and begin pastoring um i went out with the with the goal of bringing unity and even the name that was given to me uniting faith church was founded out of uh uh scripture in uh ephesians, ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 which talks about you know mm-hmm. until we um come to or we attain the unity of the faith
0: yes um,
1: and that was just highlighted to me in the so um, yeah that was
0: was your experiences that that your regular life was fairly integrated but the church itself was more segregated than daily life
1: oh oh yes yes indeed yeah. from from uh you know my experiences in, in school and then uh um you know highly going to college I did go to uh uh an h b c u historically black college university uh central state university in Wilberforce, ohio and so um uh there you know uh was I, my life experience there was sort of uh with our experience within the church as well yeah, you know, just all black but um but uh outside of that you know uh from you know elementary to high school integrated life uh uh, workforce, same way, you know, uh, integrated and so yeah. Uh, but in the church, in the body of Christ, um, uh, it was segregated. Yeah.
0: So in 2010, you started this church, a small African American church. So now, Bruce, and Amy, why don't you start give us a little background from your church?
3: Uh, sure. Um, so we, uh, Amy and I, moved to Springfield in 1999 to plant a church, and um, we had read all the books on how to do that successfully, and um, you were supposed to plant your church in the suburbs, you know, the thriving area of town, and do (laughs) all the things that you're supposed to do, and when we moved to Springfield, we realized that Springfield is very much um, the classical Midwestern small city city that has railroad tracks that run right through the middle of it. Okay, And um, so the city is divided uh, between north and south, Mm -hmm. and it is mostly a socioeconomic divide, but it's also racially as well. Mm. And um, downtown Springfield was actually a dying downtown at the time. Right, right. And it, it was probably six blocks by four blocks, and um, that was neutral, like it belonged to everyone, and at that time it belonged to no one.
0: Because yeah. um, <laughs> That's not where Walmart was, right, or the mall, right?
3: Uh, no, no. <laughs> and um, so we uh, felt like from the beginning, our church was supposed to be a downtown church. We were supposed to be um, a bridge between those of socioeconomic but also racial divides as well. And um, the reality was that we were um, we were not um, for mm-hmm. the first fifteen years of our existence. We were a predominantly white church. Um, we would have people of color come and go over the years, right? But none really stay. Okay. And that started to change sometime around two thousand thirteen. Okay. Two thousand fourteen, somewhere in there. Um, we had uh, a couple couples, uh, families of color that came and they stayed and uh, they, they began to participate in leadership. Um, and um, so that, that was a, a turning point for us was seeing some mature believers who um, people of color who came and they stayed. Wow. And um, so that kind of led us up to 2000. Wait, uh, let, let me jump
0: in there for a second but is was there yeah. something that pr- uh, preceded that happening did you make some changes as a church or just started happening
3: So I don't know that hmm, I don't know that we made any intentional changes Right I do know I started to talk more about like pushing the vision of that
4: Yeah um
3: talking about um practicing for heaven uh, I remember mm-hmm. specifically talking about how when we get to heaven, just based on statistics and church growth models around the world, white people are going to be a minority. And so we need to begin to practice for heaven.
4: Yeah. You
3: know, all of church growth is happening in South America, Africa and Asia. Yep. Not happening in the West. And so, um, you know, I just began talking through some of those ideas of, you know, hey, we're going to be a minority forever. Right. Let's practice now.
0: Yeah. And so, it just out of curiosity, in the radius of of your of champion church, champion city church, the, what is the demographics like in a five mile, ten mile radius around your church? How how do you think of it? Like, is it how diverse is the your your community?
3: Um, Springfield is about the city, the actual city itself, and it's not. Um huge radius so five five miles in yeah. every direction that would cover pretty much the entire city
4: okay, yeah,
3: um so the city's seventy thousand people or so okay, and hundred and twenty five thousand in the county somewhere in that neighborhood okay, and so our city is i think sixty sixty eight to seventy two percent white okay and um so the rest is divided up. Uh, I think it's around 20% African-American. Okay. And then our Hispanic population is growing. I think it's somewhere 8 to 10%.
4: Okay.
0: Okay, that's an interesting... Okay, so back to your story of your church.
3: So really, um, we're, um, we were in the midst of some growth at that period, and, um, I actually had worked full time for years, uh, outside of the church. And at the end of 2014, I quit my job to work full time at the church. And, um, the, one of the benefits of that is I was able to join, um, some groups, you know, and one of them happened to be a pastor's group that was being organized. And in that group, I met Jason. Okay, and we uh, we started to form a friendship, and that was at the end of 2014. Okay, and that was really a catalyst for a lot of this. Hmm. Was just building a friendship. Mm-hmm. Amy, did you did you want to add anything to this part of the story?
2: Well, the only thought that came up for me was when you were talking about how long it took for even people of color to come and stay, I would say, Jonathan asked, like, what What do you think led you in this direction, or why did things change? And I, I was thinking about just the yes on our heart, like, this is where I think discontentment can be holy. I mean, mm-hmm, there's obviously mm-hmm. the unholy yeah. version, but from the very inception of our church plant, we wanted... To be like a colony of heaven on earth as it is in heaven meant something very right. concrete to us, not just ethereal Etherial,
0: and right, nebulous.
2: Right. It meant it meant like if 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 we're gonna have this colony of heaven, uh, one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Kurt Thompson is he talks about us being a colony of heaven in a state of perpetual Pentecost. And that just means so much to me because it's about like Pentecost was a melding and a melting, if you will, yes. of all these different cultures and languages. And and so we're this colony of heaven. We should look like heaven. And I just remember that was a part of our heart when we planted the church. And we even had certain books that when we read them, like um, Fresh Wind, I think it's Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, is that right, honey, by Jim Cymbala. Yeah, the I've heard that, yes. Tabernacle. Yeah. And so it's, it, I just remember we both read that book, and we were like just, just absolutely captivated by the idea of a church that diverse, racially, socioeconomic, like, and he painted such a picture of what his church looked like Mm -hmm. that we just kind of got this holy jealousy. We were just like, we're not going to be happy until we have that. We were just kind of brats about it. Like, (laughs) we're still not happy. But that holy discontentment stayed with us, and I hear that in Jason's story Mm. as well. And so just being faithful to keep praying for it and to keep longing for it, there's something very holy about those longings. So yes, I would just add that, that, like, sometimes we have to wait, but there's something very holy about the longing for something.
0: Right. I think that's an incredible point, Amy, um, to bring that out in, in the midst of all this. I think there's a general, I would guess in my work with, you know, the church churches that most churches have a general, like, wouldn't it be nice if we were more diverse? Yeah. And exactly. yeah, uh, yet yeah, there's, a, but I think there's a difference between that and what you're talking about, which is this mm-hmm. d- deep discontentment, like something's just mm-hmm. broken and not right yep. and yep. something has to change.
2: Yep.
0: Okay. So Bruce, so then that, where did that lead? So you became friend. you and Jason, the two of you became friends and then what happened from that point?
3: Um, so at the end of 2014, we actually invited them to ju- their church to join our church for our New Year's Eve night of worship. And, um, my daughter was home from college at the time for his Christmas break. And, um, she's standing in the lobby, and Jason and his wife walk in, and she says, Mrs. Channels. And, um, Jason's wife, Teresa, had been the class aide way back when my daughter was in second and third grade. Oh, my goodness. And we're like, oh, okay. (laughs) There was just this connection that was from years and years before. And it was uh, my wife, Amy, had gone back to grad school, and we were trying to figure out education, and we wound up putting our daughter in a charter school, at the church that Jason and Teresa attended at the time. And Teresa wound up working there. And so here, like 12, 13 (laughs) years earlier, (laughs) my daughter had gotten to know Mrs. Channels.
0: Oh my goodness.
3: And we're like, Oh, there's a connection there. Yes. Yeah. And, and we just began this friendship that, um, you know, we just started spending more time together and, uh, building a relationship. Hmm. And um, I, I don't know how far you want me to go into that. No, like, well, that's. Am I, am I taking us up to the point?
0: Yeah, no. Let's just get to. Let's get to where you <laughs> yeah. like. Let's do this.
3: Sure. <laughs> sure. So in uh, <laughs> July of 2015, um, I our church was part of the Association of Vineyard Churches at the time, and I went to uh, our national conference. It happened to be in Columbus, just down the road. Oh. Mm-hmm. And um, we, uh, the speaker on Thursday morning was supposed to be uh, the head of all the Brazilian vineyard churches. And his wife had had some medical issues. And so he did not leave Brazil. And so they needed a speaker. And they uh, asked Dr. Charles Montgomery, who's one of the pastors of the Columbus Vineyard, to share. And he preached that day on a church without walls. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he preached from Ephesians two of what Christ came to do, mm-hmm. of how he came to tear down the walls of the divider, mm-hmm.
1: and um,
3: I wept. I wept through the entire thing because I'm like, that has been my heart for the church all this time. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm obviously a little choked up right now. Just, just re-experiencing that morning Mm, and um mm -hmm. i got home that day and i sent jason a link to that and i said hey tell me what you think about this and um uh, amy and i went away for a couple weeks for our 25th anniversary and uh, jason's dad was in the hospital at that time and so it took about a month for us to get together Mm -hmm. and um he, we finally were able to get together, and I went over to his church for Wednesday night Bible study, and um, he had invited me. He's like, I have Bible study. Why don't you come afterwards, and we'll talk? And I said, no, I'll just come to your Bible study. And I think he was surprised, because they were doing like acapella songs, <laughs> and I knew every one of them.
4: Oh, yeah. And I started mm-hmm.
3: singing right along, and he looked at me like, oh, you know that? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> It was funny because our, even though well, we grew up in completely different, uh, with completely different backgrounds, there were a lot of similarities in church background mm-hmm. of of white Pentecostal versus black Pentecostal. Yeah, and so the much of the music was the same. Yeah, and interesting. So, okay, huh. So we began to. Uh, have a discussion afterwards, and um, before I left, I said this is going to be the stupidest question ever. Like, I don't even really have the authority <laughs> to say this. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but what would you think about merging churches? Uh huh. And I'll let J- Jason. Do you want to take over from there? Kind of. Yeah,
0: we got it? just about one minute left. So, just how did you respond oh, well, to that, Jason?
3: Oh,
1: um, I was. I was in shock, but at the same time, I wasn't shocked, um, as uh, my wife and I had been discussing the idea of merging churches uh, for some time uh, before we actually met, and then uh, the, the video that uh, that Bruce shared with me of Dr. Montgomery's sermon had, you know, just completely wrecked me, and uh, it felt as though I was there with him in the service, crying right alongside him, um, and so I told him, that me... You know, talk to my wife. You know, and and let's pray about it. But you know, within my heart, there there was a yes already
3: resounding,
1: <laughs> You know, uh, from my heart, it was was a yes. So you know, we, we I did talk to my wife and we got together and prayed. And, and
0: um, now we have to. Cu- I'm going to have to cut you off. We're going to find out what after how you, the prayer was answered <laughs> in the next right. episode. It's like Netflix. You're just there. It's like tune in. It's a cliffhanger. <laughs> Tune in, what did God say to Jason and Bruce, and how do they make this church come together? Well, we've just scratched the surface on a great story, which is why I knew this would be a a two-episode. Thank you for listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. Looking forward to uh, part two of when a black church and a white church decided to merge next week. Thank you again. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis.
1: Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org.
3: This program was
1: sponsored by Care Portal.